Um, my name is indeed Logan, and what an honour and a privilege it is to read God's Word. So, if you don't have a Bible with you, follow along on the screen. Um, let's read. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. How about I pray, and then we'll um, we'll have a, a look at this great topic. Let's pray. Father, be with us now as we uh, as we consider... Uh, this this question, this response that our friends and community have come up with, what would make you worth believing in uh, if you were good for our lives. And so just pray that you'd be with us and help us um, in these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, a few years ago, my grandfather died. Uh, he was in his 90s. There's a picture of him up there, you can see there, with my mum. But at his funeral, do you know... Sadly, not one of his nine children spoke at his funeral. And I don't really judge my uncles and aunts for not doing that because my grandfather was not actually that nice of a person. Uh, My mum died many years ago, but from what I can piece together from her, my grandfather could be pretty manipulative, controlling and self-centred to the point of maybe even being a narcissist. And apparently he could be quite terrifying as well. It seems like he was, he was a bit broken. I, I think he didn't grow up with his parents, maybe his grandparents, or maybe he was kind of orphaned even. I, I couldn't quite figure it out completely. He'd been a, a World War II veteran. And it was pretty clear he had some trauma in his own life that he, he then passed on to his own family. And he let some awful stuff happen, awful stuff. So my mum, she'd been pretty messed up by her childhood. 
I remember as a kid, everyone just called my mum Anne, even though that wasn't her name. It was her middle name. Uh, she, she just felt too messed up by her childhood to embrace her identity and, and call herself Elizabeth. But when I was about 10, she, she felt like she'd healed enough in herself to start embracing who she was and, and to go back to calling herself Elizabeth again. I didn't really understand at the time as a 10-year-old how significant that was. But even back then, even as a kid, two things were clear to me, two things I, I could easily understand. It was clear that she, she'd had this hard past and that it still affected her. But it was also clear she had a, a bright future. She was embracing life. She was healing. And it was always crystal clear to me. And basically crystal clear to anyone who met my mum. It was crystal clear exactly why. It was because Jesus was good for her life. After mum left home, uh, she'd come to think that God was worth believing in. My, my grandfather hated Jesus, actually. But my mum had left home and she'd come to think for herself that Jesus was actually worth believing in. And so as a kid, I had no doubt in my mind that Jesus was good for her life. Because when I saw where she'd come from and where most of her siblings still were, there was only one thing that had made her take a very different path and that was believing in God. But you know, the funny thing is, even though I could see without a doubt that, that God was good for her life, when I was a teenager, I myself wasn't so sure that he was good for my life. I remember thinking he didn't really add that much to my life, except maybe you know some restrictions and things like that. I felt like he made life harder to fit in. He made it harder to enjoy life. And I, I reckon this kind of thinking is pretty common. I used to work with uni students and... Um, once on campus, we, we put up these large A3 pieces of paper on, on all the notice boards in the colleges and on campus and they just had written on them, the problem with Christianity is dot, dot, dot. And we attached a, a string and a pen on every one of them as well. And, you know, there was all sorts of things written on there, including all sorts of pictures that you couldn't reproduce. But you know what one of the top responses was? problem with Christianity is it's no fun. Overwhelmingly, that, that was just everywhere on them. Uh, there's a feeling that, that God's not good for my life because he takes the joy out of living. Have you come across that idea? And there's another feeling that, that's more recent. There's a feeling that God's not good for my life because what he's on about clashes with what culture now says is, is good. People who believed in God used to be seen as you know, the annoyingly good people. But now they're seen as, as, as the bad people living unhealthy, repressed kind of lives. And so the common sense kind of wisdom that, that you find out there is, why would I believe in God when he's not good for my life? Why believe in God when he's not good for my life in terms of enjoyment of life or quality of life or in terms of modern morality or even why would I believe in God when he's not good for my psychological health and my freedom? 
And so when we ask lots of people in our, our community what would make God worth believing in, it, it's kind of not surprising that this is one of the top responses, don't you reckon? God would be worth believing in if he was actually good for my life, but he's really not. So today we're going to look at this response and we're only going to look at it very briefly so we're hardly going to really scratch the surface. It'd be great to go into lots of details but we're just going to do a brief look at it. But even still, what we're going to see in this brief time is that the common sense answer could not be more off the mark because God is absolutely good for your life. This is the first thing I've got to say today. Believing in God is overwhelmingly good for your life. And I'm not just saying this because of, of my experience with my mum or even my experience in my own life. And I'm not just saying this because of seeing how God has been good in people's lives, in hundreds of people's lives. I'm actually saying this because the data overwhelmingly tells you that believing in God is good for your life. Scientific study after study has shown that in almost any area you could possibly study, this is true. This is so clear that uh, in 2016 a, a professor and a journalist wrote a USA Today op-ed entitled Religion May Be a Miracle Drug. Here's a, a small part of that article. It says, Professor van der Weerle's new research with colleagues at Harvard University, building on more than 20 years of prior work in this area, suggests that attending religious services brings about better physical and mental health. Adults who do so at least once a week versus not at all have been shown to have a significantly lower risk of dying over the next decade and a half. The results have been replicated in enough studies and populations to be considered quite reliable. Believing in God is literally, literally good for your life. Going to church regularly reduced mortality rates by 20 to 30 percent over a 15 year period. Now, it sounds ridiculous. Every time I read this, it kind of sounds ridiculous. But it's true. We might think that going to church is, is deadly boring, right? Might be boring, but it turns out it's not deadly at all. It's just not. In all sorts of areas, not just this area, in all sorts of areas, believing in God is good for your life. Studies show how it helps you cope with stress. Mental health is hugely improved. Even things like recovery from illness is improved. There's decreased loneliness scores in those who believe in God. Some studies show greater education results, higher chari charitable giving kind of results, decreased crime and juvenile delinquency, greater scores for marriage quality and stability. And there really are even physical health benefits as well. So here's a quote from an Australian journal and this article is called Spirituality, Health, Spirituality, Religion and Health, Evidence and Research Direction. And they reference one study and they say 
Koenig et al. reported that the majority of the studies on heart disease, blood pressure and cancer risk found salutary effects, beneficial effects, among the more religious. And weirdly, even immune system response is better in those who are religious. Atheist social psychologist Jonathan Haidt observes, surveys have long shown that religious believers in the United States are happier, healthier, longer lived and more generous to charity and to each other than are secular people. Even in terms of sexual satisfaction, studies have shown that belief in God is good for your life. There's a new study out published in the Journal of Sex Research. This was a study of 10,000 heterosexual adults in the UK and part of the report says this. The findings point to a generally higher satisfaction from sex life among those who considered religion as fairly or very important compared to those stating that religion was not at all important. Now, it almost feels embarrassing to talk about. Not, not sex. I mean, it almost feels a bit embarrassing to talk about how good for our lives believing in God is. It's embarrassing because it feels like I'm boasting. I'm not trying to do that. But I am saying that despite what we might have been told in movies or books or by friends, the evidence overwhelmingly shows that believing in God and and being a part of a, a regular community that believes in God is good for your life. God is good for your life in almost any way you can think of. And I'm not saying that proves anything about God. You know, there's lots of good evidence to believe in God, but just because belief in Him is good for your life, it it doesn't prove His existence or anything like that. But what it should do is it should make you stop believing the lie that belief in God is bad for your life. It's not. If anything, the opposite is actually true. So please hear me right. I'm not boasting. I'm not thinking... This proves everything about God. And I'm also not thinking that seeing the truth of this will particularly change, you know, make any difference to people's beliefs or life choices. So I know from studies that, um, that for my, you know, in my life, I know that the Mediterranean diet would be really good for my life. Do you know the Mediterranean diet? Fish twice a week, not much meat and dairy, and almost no red meat. But you know what I had for dinner last night? (laughs) Red meat. I mean, you try and feed fish and vegetables only to teenagers and see how that goes for you. See, knowing something is good for you, it, it doesn't necessarily change you. Knowing God is good for your life doesn't necessarily change anything. I've never met anyone, you know, sitting there at church who said, oh yeah, I read a study about how belief in God and going to church would add seven years to my life. So, Here I am. I've never met anyone like that. Because there's more to the picture than that. And actually, that's the second thing I've got to say to us today. There's a lot more to the picture than that. Because even though science might say to you, believing in God is good for your life, Jesus, 
himself would say to you something quite different. We saw a taste of it in that bit of the Bible that Logan read for us just before. A rich man comes up to Jesus, you know, a a guy who seems to have it all but wants even more. He wants to have eternal life. And Jesus says to this man that what he needs to do is to follow him and he says to him that would cost him everything. This is our, our second point. Believing in God is overwhelmingly good for your life and yet following God costs you your life. And these two ideas clash. Can you see that? Even though so many studies will show you that believing in God is good for your life, Jesus says following him costs you your life. He says fully believing in God means giving up your life. And just a little bit before Jesus met this this rich man, he said this to his disciples. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Jesus is very clear. Believing in him costs you your life. Not necessarily literally, but it always means giving up living for yourself and instead living for him. And what this looks like plays out differently in in the lives of each of us. So let's come back to this this rich man because we actually get to see how this plays out in his story. Let's have a closer look at it together. So the rich man, he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But do you notice as he does this, he he addresses Jesus as good teacher. And Jesus does something strange. Before he answers him, he says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, I reckon the rich man, he would have felt like Jesus was focusing on the wrong thing here, don't you reckon? The rich man, his focus is on a question about eternal life, not about who is good. But as is always the case, Jesus is focusing on the real question. The problem with the rich man is is he thinks he's got what it takes to get eternal life. And so by Jesus pushing the man on, on why he calls him good when only God is good, it does two things. First, it, it gives the man an opportunity to open his eyes and, and see that he himself is not the answer. If God alone is good, this guy is never going to be good enough in himself. And second, he gives the man an opportunity to open his eyes and see that Jesus is the answer. If Jesus really is good, like he's just said, then he's also God. And if he's God, then he's able to do what's impossible for this man or his money to do. He's able to give him eternal life as a gift. But do you see how the rich man misses the point? Because Jesus says to him, you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. And the man straight away, 
confidently says, Teacher, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Now you'd expect from what Jesus just has just said about who alone is good that the man might have had just a tiny bit more insight into himself, just been a little bit more honest about himself to Jesus. But no, he says, yep, I'm all good. It's like he's saying, yep, no one is good except God alone and me. Really? I mean, I find this rich guy just a little bit irritating at this point. But Jesus doesn't get annoyed at him. Look at what he does. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. What exactly does he lack? What he lacks is Jesus. And what stands in the way of him seeing what he lacks is his money. And so for him, in his journey, it's going to literally cost him all his wealth to literally walk with Jesus down the road. And we see what he thinks of this. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Life for him was found in his money, not in Jesus. He decided if, if this is what it was going to cost him, God was not worth believing in because he was not good for his life. Now, this is obviously just one person's story, but Jesus is very clear that believing in him costs you your life. Not necessarily literally, although for some people that's what it costs. We just heard about that in Cairo. Not necessarily selling all your stuff, literally. Although for this rich, rich guy, that's what it was going to cost. But it always means for Anyone, everyone who'd following him, follow him, give up living for yourself and instead live for him. And so this should make us pause and think, if these two ideas clash so spectacularly, which is it? Is believing in God good for my life? Or is it costly for my life? And this brings us to our last point. Giving up your life for God is good for your life. Let me see if I can explain this. If God is real, which he is, and if he's intensely interested in you, which he also is, then of course it's actually good to give your life over to him. That's easy for us to be like the rich man and, and, and think that, that we hold our own lives in our own hands our money and our choices bring all sorts of things within our reach. It's easy for us to think that we can control our own destiny. But the reality is we're nowhere near as in control as, as, as we think we are. Wealth can disappear pretty quickly. You can walk into a doctor's surgery healthy and as some of you know, you can walk out with a terminal diagnosis. A family can fly apart overnight. Friends, school can disintegrate. Even peace in the world, it, it's far more fragile, don't you reckon, than we thought it was, say, a few years ago. 
we've got far less control of our lives than we think we do. And even if we manage to kind of maintain the illusion that, that we're fully in control of our lives, there's one thing we can't control. We can delay it, but we will all one day die. And on that day, Jesus tells us all illusions of control will, will evaporate when we stand before the one who alone is fully in control and who alone is fully good. The sooner we give up trying to fake control, the better it will be for our lives, both now, but also for all eternity. Because do you realise that what God wants for you is far greater than what you want for yourself? Do you realise that? What He wants for you is better even than what you want for yourself. Giving up your life for God is, is good for your life because God is good and He's in control. You know, Jesus, He looks at this rich man and He loves him. He looks at us and He does the same. He went to the cross out of love for us. Jesus is truly good. The one person who is truly good and yet He dies to make it possible for people who are not truly good to have eternal life. But giving up your life for God, it's not only good into eternity, it's actually good for your life now too. The disciples we read, they were a bit disturbed by this whole episode with the rich man. And so Peter, he, he speaks up and he says, but hey, we've left everything to follow you. He was someone who, who did give up his life for God. But listen to what Jesus tells him. He tells him he's actually gained more than he's given. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and field, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus is saying to, to Peter and all his followers, giving up your life for God is actually good for your life. Even in this life, even though there, there can be persecutions for following Jesus, still what they gain is huge. And he's not saying they're, they're going to be like real estate moguls owning hundreds of houses. His point, his point here is one of the huge gains they get in this life is the community. So let me summarise what we've seen today. So it's pretty clear, if you look at it, that believing in God and being part of a, a regular, regular being part of a community that believes in God, it's clear that scientifically it is good for your life. But at the same time, Jesus says, if you're going to follow him, it actually means giving up your life, giving up living for ourselves and what we want, and instead living for Jesus, it means surrendering control to someone else. But we've also seen this is actually good for our lives because it's good now and it's good into all eternity. And it, it, it's because living for Jesus actually means living for someone who loves you so much that he died to save your life. It means living for someone who 
understands you, knows you, hears you, helps you. And it means being part of a community who truly loves you for who you are. And ultimately, of course, it means that Jesus will give you a life that goes beyond this life, that goes on into all eternity. Now, I mentioned my my mum at the beginning. There she is up there with me. She was clearly someone changed for the better by knowing God. And I reckon if you had have known her, you would have thought that too. You'd agree. God was good for her life. And I can honestly tell you that even though she died when she was just four years older than I am right now, it seemed old when I was young, but uh, now it seems, you know, she was a teenager. <laughs> Mum got cancer and um, she always thought it was because of the chemicals that, that they were forced to use on the farm when she was a kid growing up. But even though she died so young, God was good for her life. She died knowing absolutely that death wasn't the end. She died knowing that because Jesus had died for her, she would have eternal life with him. And believing in God, I can tell you, it was worth it for her life here and now in this age and beyond this life. Jesus offers this kind of life to any one of us. He says to you, give up living for yourself. Live for him. And he will make life better now. But more importantly, he'll give you life that goes on beyond death into eternity. Now, I've shown you a small bit of evidence today why Jesus is worth believing about these kind of things. Just a tiny bit, really. I'd love to give you more evidence. Uh, I think Tim mentioned it before. We've got a few Mondays coming up together uh, at the uh, Highbury Hotel in the Function Centre there where we're going to be looking at more of this kind of stuff. Uh, It's that kind of safe, relaxed, ask-any-question kind of environment. Um, Come along, if you've never been, or if you know someone, bring them with you, but come along and see if believing in God is worth it, if God really is good for your life. Let me pray for us. Father, We thank you that what you want for our lives really is better than even what we want for them. Thank you that Jesus looks on us and he loves us. Thank you that he loves us so much that he went to the cross in our place. Help us to see, Father, that you really really are worth believing in now but also into all eternity. Amen.